0: All right, everyone, welcome to tonight's episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast. I'm Crystal, the hot widow of Eric, and with me tonight, I have Ali, the hot widow of Ross. Hi, Crystal. Uh, We have some super exciting news tonight. At some point during tonight's uh, episode, we will be welcoming our very first widower to the show. His name is Joe, and he is the hot widower of Randy. Joe's wife passed away. Uh, about 15 years ago. And so we'll be super excited to interview Joe. We've never had a widower on. No. We don't know many widowers. We don't. I have a few in my life, but. I don't know any. Yeah. Joe will be the first. Well, my dad. You know my dad. That's true. I know your dad. Yeah. And I have a few other friends, so.
1: Ross's dad. Yeah. Ross's dad. I forget about that.
0: hmm Well, Allie and I are both getting over colds and flus so bear with us tonight. if we might not sound like ourselves we are still the hot widows club podcast has not affected anything about our lives because guess what when you're a widow it doesn't matter if you get sick you have to keep living life
1: yeah what is it like crystal when you're sick
0: it was a pain in the ass yeah i got hit super freaking hard with influenza a And I felt like shit and I'm trying to work still. I'm trying to raise another kid who had influenza A and two other kids who felt like crap and navigate Halloween. And so it never stops. Like the dishes just pile up because they have to eat. So if there's no one there to do them, what do you think happens to them? And like the crumbs on the floor and the dog doesn't get fed and the laundry doesn't get done and everything is just there waiting for you. This last week, being sick alone without someone there to help me was probably one of the hardest moments in the last 18 months that I've had to go through alone.
1: Uh, Well, it's just when you're not feeling well, you tend to be Mm -hmm. a little more crabby.
0: (laughs) I was extra bitchy. (laughs) One day. I told my kids, I was like, I just don't feel good.
1: Just get out of my room. Mm -hmm. I know. But it also reminds me again... To appreciate my health. I feel that more than anybody that has lost somebody and watched somebody go through cancer, you really appreciate your health. But when you're sick and you feel like crap and you're crabby, it also reminds me of how Ross felt and how shitty he felt mm-hmm. for two years going through that. And it's like, okay, I can suck this up. It totally stinks being a soul parent. Yeah,
0: that's really good perspective, Allie, because I thought about that a couple of times when I was really sick. I felt like, okay, look at what Eric went through. Right. In fact, one time I was coughing and my kids said, it brought up a lot of feelings. My kids said, mom, your cough sounds like dad's. And then we all started talking about Eric's cough because he, he had a really bad cough through most of his cancer journey. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It was quite the week for me. So I'm on the mend. I'm almost you back. You look Great and 100%. Oh, red good. Lips. My red lips. Yeah. You know, my friend Allison Davis said, never, ever, ever leave the house without a lip on.
1: Wow. Okay. I don't ever wear lipstick. I don't know what color would even look good. I'm going to help you with that.
0: I did not start wearing lipstick until Eric died. Okay. Kind of okay. like the change in the hair too. It's like the change in the hair. It's when I started fixing my hair. We
1: want to do... Colors. What is that called again?
0: I don't know. Colors, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We want to figure out what our colors are. Yeah. It's like a thing. Yeah. It's a thing.
0: So we get to figure out what colors look best on On us.
1: us. And it's like
0: seasons and. Right. Allie, I have something I want to share with you. Okay. Remember when you promised me that you were going to buy me a ring? Oh my gosh. Again, you're bringing this (laughs) up. I feel like you just keep letting me down over it. So I bought you a ring. What? Yeah, I did. That's what you've been this wanting This is what I get. want to give you so bad. I'm so excited to give you this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's pulling one it's out. It's so special to me to give this to you because it's a hug. Look at this ring. It's two hands always giving you a hug. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. You're a really good gift giver and really thoughtful.
0: Oh, well, thank, thank you. you.
1: Oh. Thank you.
0: So I have, so Allie, like we always have moments. Like Ali and I have moments like where I call her and I'm like, I need you now. And she knows that. And there's moments where she calls me and she says, I need you now. And we just go to one another. Well, when I was sick, Allie needed me and I couldn't go to her. And that was hard for me to not be able to go to you. I know. And it's if you okay. don't have that person, like you're so used to having. Yeah. It's a tough feeling. So a lot of people have said to us, uh, a very good friend of mine, the sweetest woman in the world, so helpful, so thoughtful. You know, she shared with us that our podcast helps give perspective on marriage Uh overall. Yeah, And if this, me being sick and then the widowhood and just all of the things that we can offer up for any of our listeners, again, who who are married listeners and use our podcast as just general life and perspective and such. Appreciate your spouse, even when it's ugly, because what Allie and I wouldn't give for it to be ugly, you know, like for Eric to take care of me when I'm sick instead of me having to get mad at my kids, like my husband to see me with my messy hair and, you know, my mangled breath and my coughing, <laughs> red eyes or whatever. I give anything to have him there by me.
1: I really miss my best friend. Yeah. I- Talk to Ross about everything. And I mean everything. I just miss that. I miss having the person that I can just fully be myself. Right. And go home at night and talk to about everything.
0: I feel like as we get closer though, it's becoming more apparent how much I need you. That's how I feel.
1: But it's also this strange thing of, am I being too much to you? Like, am I, am I needing you too much? Bitch, you
0: for <laughs> real.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But last week you talked about being independent and this new crystal of independence. And I'm like, I definitely feel independent. I'm doing way more than I've ever done before. Yeah. I mean, there's anybody that knows me knows that I'm way different than I was mm-hmm. with Ross.
0: But- And I don't know that side of you.
1: I also am, will fully admit that I- like needing somebody to be beside me and it's not necessarily a I need them to do something for me it's I miss having somebody next to me at night all the time mm-hmm. to talk to about everything and just have them there and that's where it's like I get so excited to see you
0: <laughs> Me too. you know because right.
1: you understand my heart yeah not everybody does or tries to. And so it always just means the world to me that you want to spend time with me too, Mm -hmm. even when I'm crazy ass.
0: Um, (laughs) I said to her the other day, I said, I will call you out on your bullshit. (laughs) And I would do the same to you. And you do regularly. I do. A lot. I mean, I do that with every, well, most people. (laughs) I, when I talked about being independent, I've always been independent. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that Eric, I think, had a love hate with me about because I've always done what I want. And what I liked about him is that he let me do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And he just walked alongside me and said, okay, fine. I'm, I'm Crystal's husband. I'll just do what she says or, you know, like I've always just done what I want. And after he died, I started doing only like what I, thought people wanted me to do or what I thought I needed, my kids needed me to do or the school needed me to do. But I'm back to feeling like the crystal that I always was, which is a very independent crystal. Like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel the same way that you do because I do. Yeah. I I will wholeheartedly admit I miss, I said last episode, what? I miss my husband looking at me. Mm -hmm. I miss waking up next to him. I miss going to bed next to him. I miss, I'm not much of a talker. I'm actually a pretty poor communicator, to be honest, in a relationship. So uh, I know that about myself. Eric told me that regularly because I'm so independent. I just do what I want and keep it all to myself and go about my day. So I don't miss the talking piece, but that's nothing I ever had, but I miss. Yeah. It's amazing. I I just miss the presence I think is what I would say I, I miss about Eric the most, but right,
1: yeah, no, I, and it's not that I, I should clarify. It's not that I was super dependent on Ross. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a career. Yeah. I have kids. I have always been independent. It's, it's the best friend thing. Mm-hmm. It's the, I can bounce ideas off of him mm-hmm. or he will call me out on my shit. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, you're overreacting on this or just his active listening Mm -hmm. active listening he was so good at and that is hard to find and so I I miss that yeah I miss that a lot
0: I understand that so Ellie what (laughs) what other updates do we have to give the audience I've got something go ahead so one of the things that that came up in, in conversation was you know someone mentioning you know like where do you guys see this podcast going or are you just, you know, are you going to keep talking about grief or whatever? I thought about that for like the past, you know, 24, 48 hours. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to keep talking about whatever's fucking important to talk about because who knows where we're going to be in our journey, right? You know, but you know what? Each episode is going to start talking about different things and where we're at in our journey. And I can guarantee you, we're going to go backwards in our grief. And I can guarantee you, we're going to go forward I know I've gone way forward, but last night my kids put on Christmas music and I'm sitting in my living room listening to Christmas music. They're singing and dancing around me and staring at me as a huge picture of my sexy ass husband. I'm, you know, me being me and I just start crying because Christmas music, it warms your heart. It warms your soul. It warms your energy. And it just reminds you of family that got torn away from you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, which is in two weeks. I can't get to Christmas yet. I just can't. But I'm thinking about Thanksgiving and I don't know what I'm doing yet. Mm -hmm. I cannot make up my mind. I want to see the Brunings uh, so badly, but I feel like sometimes I am, I know I am a reminder of Ross Mm -hmm. and it's hard for them. And we love each other dearly, but I am a reminder. And I know that I bring out that sadness to them too. Cause mm-hmm. I don't see them all the time. And so it, it's just thinking about, do I want to go through that? I, I do, but I also do, I want to do something new this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so I was talking to my therapist about this today. And um, two things that we talked about was he goes, you know what? flip a coin flip a coin and cool. whatever it lands on that's what you do and you put your whole heart into that yeah bitch <laughs> so that's yeah. what i'm gonna do tonight i'm gonna flip a coin and that will determine what i'm doing for thanksgiving
0: what does each side of the coin represent well there i
1: actually have three choices so i'm gonna Shit, do there's dice. No, three <laughs> no i'm gonna to do a die he told me let's do a dice so you know i'll do i'll roll the dice are we going to um, need six options then? No. So if it's a one or a four, okay. then if it's a two, or a five, <laughs> three or a six, okay. that's where my options are. Loving this. But I love that. He's like, do it. And then you've. that's all you have to do and put all of your energy into that. I want then you then to don't
0: look back. Videotape it so I can see you. Okay. FaceTime me while you do it. So I know <laughs> you do it. Okay, I will. And you can't cheat yourself. I'm not going to. I promise you that you don't have to tell me what your options are. You can write your options down and then you roll it. And I'm telling you that's what we're doing. Okay. I love it. Okay.
1: The second thing we talked about, which is relevant to what you just mentioned is that he is going to start listening to our podcast, which just warms my heart one, but two he goes and he's been doing this for, I don't know, 40 years, a long Mm time. Is he old? He's older. Yes. And he goes, there's not a lot of podcasts that are about grief. He's like, surprisingly, our culture is horrible at grief Mm -hmm. about talking about grief. And he's like, I just think what you're doing is amazing. And you can continue to do it because everybody grieves differently. Yeah. There's no like end in sight for
0: this. Yeah. That is a perfect time to welcome Joe. Joe is such a amazing person. He's a big part of my life. So Joe is our first widower and Joe is a colleague of mine. And Joe and I have worked together for about five years. And after Eric died, I was doing a training for Joe and his division. So his division is in Pennsylvania. So you will notice a little bit of Northeastern accent in Joe, my good friend. But I was doing a training for Joe and his group. And naturally, when I'm doing a training in the Northeast, being the huge Boston Red Sox fan that I am, Joe and I generally banter back and forth about the Sox and what they're doing and how freaking amazing of an organization they are. And so I'm telling the team in Pennsylvania, they had asked me how I was doing, and I'm telling them that after Eric died, that the Boston Red Sox had sent me a whole bunch of gear, basically enough gear for the kids and I for a lifetime. Like, we will not outgrow the gear that the Boston Red Sox sent us. That felt so good. warmed my heart. And Joe didn't have sound at the time. So he follows up and sends me an email and says, yeah, go Sox. You know, they're absolutely cool organization. We are lucky to be fans of the Sox. He then goes on to say, I've never really told anyone this, but I'm also a widower. I lost my wife about 15 years ago and my heart sunk in that Mm -hmm. moment. And Joe is the very first person, my age, my career, my life, that I was able to say, oh my God, this is real. And he made me feel so good, so loved, so supported in the moment. So welcome to the Hot Widows Club podcast, Joe. Thank you. So Joe is the hot widower of Randy. And I'm going to just jump straight over to number one, ask Joe to... Share with us his story.
2: The story is kind of easy. I got a job working for a chocolate company, and I ended up working on one of their lines. And uh, there was this girl that started there that I didn't know. And was she hot? The line, uh, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, The the line that I was working on, we had to pick out these caramel centers that didn't look right. So, you know, I'm throwing them across. The wine into the recycled bin where she was at. And um, we just started talking. And I asked if she was dating anybody. And she said, no, she was engaged. So it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, whatever. Uh, about two or three days later, this lady stops me and she asked me if I was interested in this girl. And I was like, well, you know, yeah, but she has a, a fiancé slash boyfriend, whatever. And she goes, oh, she's not very serious. And I was like, well, you know, well, who are you, her mom? And she goes, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh it was her mom yeah it was her mom (laughs) that's hilarious
2: yeah well not at the time so you know that's she's like you know you need to ask my daughter out because I don't like this guy and you know whatever and asked her out she said yes I was like well what about this you know boyfriend she goes I don't worry about that that'll end and I was like oh you know okay so went out uh, she lived about an hour away from me. So I drove down, picked her up, drove her up here. we seen a movie, drove her back home, and then came back to my house. And, you know, pretty much clicked right after that. And everything kind of moved very, very quickly. Uh, met her when I was 18, 19, we got pregnant, 20, we were married. Oh, so
1: that's awesome, Joe. That jo. is so sweet, Joe.
2: Yeah, really really kind of rather quickly. So it was it, it was an unexpected yet enjoyable ride because I wasn't planning on marriage or kids at all for at least like, you know, 4 or 5 years but, you know, it just kind of happened.
0: Awesome. So, tell us kind of what happened with Randy and the situation that led up to you becoming a widower.
2: Uh, literally she went to work one day. She had an undiagnosed heart condition. She was a nurse, so she went to work, fell over before she hit the floor. Uh, they think that she was already gone. After the report and everything comes out, which we kind of had a fight for, they suspected she had about four or five heart attacks the last three years. Never even knew.
0: Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Joe. I, um, Joe and I have had a lot of conversations about this, so I, I'll ask a few other questions. So, Joe, Joe was actually working night shift when this happened, so Randy was working day shift. And so, Joe, do you want to kind of share how the information got to you?
2: Yeah. So she was. She just started day shift a couple of weeks prior. Uh, I was second shift. So the day it happened, there was a two-hour delay. So we, you know, I got up. We had a five-year-old daughter at the time. I got up, put her on the bus, went home, and you know, I went to go back to bed because you know, on second shift, why stay up when I don't have to? Uh, <laughs> So I seen that there was a a message on the machine, but I wasn't too worried about it. And out of the, out of the blue, my friend's sister started calling me, which was kind of odd because I mean I'm just really close with him, but not as much with her. And you know, she called and told me that hey, like you know, Grace, the, you know, the the place she was at called me and said that you know there's a problem. We need to get to Easton Hospital right away. Mm-hmm. So had no idea really where he at the hospital was at, uh, chain got changed real quick and started driving down there as best as I could. The week before we had, the, we had the same cell phones. She somehow took her phone, my phone to her job and I had her phone. So in there was a number of a girl that I knew she worked with. So I called her, she wasn't at work. She tried to give me the information, said she'd call me right back. And in the meantime, she goes, Hey, she calls me back and she let me know, you know, they won't tell me what happened, just it's bad and you need to get to the hospital immediately. So I'm driving down there, didn't really know how to get, ended up kind of jumping a curb, driving through a couple yards to get to where oh, I, I had no. to go. And, you know, cause panic mode sets and you don't know, you know, what's going on, just that it's bad. And I knew it was bad as soon as I got there cause they pulled me to a side room and told me how to wait. And I'm like, okay, something's not right. And that's when the doctor came in with uh it wasn't a nurse. I would say maybe like a counselor to let you know, just to let me know that they tried everything they could, that there was nothing they could do, and that she passed away.
0: Oh my God, Joe! Uh,
2: yeah, and shortly after that, my mom showed up with my sister. Uh, I called. It was her her mom and stepdad. Well, her dad, her mom and stepdad, and you know he got there fairly quickly, or you know her mom got there, and then we just kind of tried to make sense of everything about what happened. Uh, and then it took us, I guess about two or three months till we finally got the result back. Uh, so there was a lot of what ifs and unknowns until we finally got confirmation of kind of what led to it. And, you know, it, the, the one doctor that I did talk to pretty much said that if there's any way to go, it would be that way. Cause it was painless and quick. Like there was no suffering, no, it, you know, it was before she even knew it, she was gone.
0: My gosh. Joe, what happened from that moment on? How did you feel? And if you wouldn't mind sharing the the time frame, this is that this was.
2: So that the the kind. So she passed on December fourteenth, two thousand seven. So you know, at the time, Christmas was my favorite holiday. So we're two weeks out, and uh, you know, it put me in a very very bad place. Uh, you know, I had a very great support system between my mom, my sisters, my late wife's family. They were they were always there if I needed anything. And, you know, it was just a tough year because to start that year, I lost my dad in January and then it, we capped it off losing, you know, my wife, you know, 12 months later. So at the time, you know, I was second shift. I can't, I'd come home. My mom stayed with me for the first two weeks. Uh, luckily I, I had a, a pretty good job uh, and my HR administrator at the time pretty much told me I was coming back to work. Uh, she told me that I wasn't coming back to at least the first of the year that if I came back, that they would send me home, uh, knowing that I probably wasn't in the right state to work. You know, I asked her about like, you know, like I need to get paid. And she goes, well, don't worry about that.
0: That's why you got to love your HR people. Right. I I,
2: I do. There's something I have a current HR, uh, an uh, HR person I really like and a former one.
0: Uh, so. <laughs> Wait, is it me or is it someone else that you really like, yeah, your HR it, person? <laughs> he, um, it's somebody that has hair. So let
2: me put it that way. Uh,
0: I have so, hair, listeners. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the, the first couple of weeks I had somebody at home, which, you know, school was out. So I had my daughter there, my mom was there. And then when, uh, you know, school started, I'm working second shift. Uh, my, my grandparents lived right down the road so they had my daughter pretty much Monday through Friday. I would get her Friday after I get home from work, Saturday, Sunday Monday, I'd put her on a bus and I wouldn't see her till Friday. So coming home by myself to an empty house, that's when kind of the bad vices started with. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you always have a couple friends, you know, Jim and Jack that always kind of find a way.
0: What about uh, Don? Actually? Like Don Julio?
1: No, I'm, I'm not sad of that. <laughs> I actually love Jack Daniels. Did you know that about me? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't. I love it. You never told me that. You dirty dog. I'm a huge Jack Daniels fan. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it,
2: (laughs) it can be good, whether you're mixing it or drinking it straight. So I was probably really down and out for about four or five months straight where I couldn't even tell you what I did, what I ate, like how it was just kind of going through The paces of life, which is, you know, as a shell, because you're just kind of there, but you're not really Mm -hmm. there.
0: Right. And Joe, you know what? I felt the exact same way. Vices are no vices. Um, You just feel empty. Anyone who's gone through this, you just feel so empty, so lost.
2: Yep. And and, and one of the things I just kept at the time thinking, like, you know, I'm in charge of a five-year-old by myself. Like, this isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Because... You know, because it's, I, I, you know, I was always the person I want to be in the background. Like when we go to someplace, she was like the front runner and I would follow her like a puppy. So now that was gone. And I'm like, now I don't know what to do, you know, and at, you know, she was 24, so I'm 25 years old and it's like everything started back over. I didn't like it. And obviously I didn't handle it the right way at the time, but, you know, When you hear people say, oh, you know, it'll get better or, you know, you'll be fine. And it's like, well, how do you know? Mm -hmm. Especially if they haven't done it. it, It's, you know, the perspective completely changes when when you're played that hand. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. We need to add that to what not to say. What not to say. You're going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to get better. (laughs) It's not. It It doesn't
1: feel like that at the moment.
0: Yeah. It definitely doesn't. Joe can kind of speak to, like Joe's been, he's got a lot more experience than we do. And I think that Joe would, uh, Joe, I'm not going to speak for you. Tell me 15 years later, does it get better?
2: You know, that's a question that was asked a couple of times and I don't know.
0: Right.
2: (laughs) You know, it's more tolerable. You, You learn how to live your life. So, you know, everything that for the longest time afterwards, I wasn't just doing for me, I had to do for me and her, you know, whether it was, taking my daughter to her birthday party or seeing stuff. Like, I, I, to me, I found I had to see it twice to make sure that I was doing it, you know, correctly. And I know in the one episode, you guys were talking about dreams and, you know, hearing the voice. And I don't remember hearing anything probably the last 12 or 13 years. Uh, the, the last real voice I heard was pretty much her telling me to get my shit together mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and stop being a dumbass. And that's literally you know, was the the quote unquote wake up call that I needed now. Oh. I still did a lot of stupid stuff after that, but that was pretty much the end of the. Hey, I'm going to come home and just, you know, forget everything. Uh, and, you know, because I'm, I'm not facing it and I'm not going to get better if I'm not facing it. And that was, that was the kick in the, kick in the stomach that it took to kind of say, like, we got to figure something out here.
0: Going through that in Northeast Pennsylvania, starting in December, knowing how dark that is there anyways and, and cold? Like, you know, how did you, how did you feel? How did you get through that?
2: Like the first, like I said, I had a great support system. Uh, my, my two sisters, my mom, uh, you know, her family was great. You know, I had some really good friends step up but I also had friends disappear. So, you know, that day still cold 15 years, almost 15 years later. Like it's, you know, it's just one of those where, you know, you wake up, you know, it's going to be a crappy day. You try to make the best of it. The weather didn't help because, you know, again, it's, you know, Pennsylvania weather. It's freaking 25 degrees. It's snowing. It's windy. It's just crappy. And, you know, what can you do? You can't go out. You can't really do anything, you know. So you just kind of, you know, stuck in a a cold area in a cold room in a cold place, just trying to find warmth somewhere. You know, it wasn't fun. Uh, My first Christmas, I actually went down. We always had a tradition where we go down to our, her family. And we still pretty much do that to this day with my current wife. And, you know, the first year was tough going down there because, you know, I didn't care anymore. You know, to me, what I, everything I thought that I had was gone. So, you know, you go down there and you're just going through the paces and it'll just feel empty. Like, you know, I, mean, I didn't want to be here, but I have to be here because this is something that we just you know, we had to do for my daughter. And, you know, at, at five at the time, you know, I was always told that children grieve multiple times at multiple stages, especially that young, you know, from five years old to, you know, me having to tell her that, hey, mom's not coming home anymore, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever done to the first boyfriend, to, you know, driver's license, to, you know, all that girly stuff that a single dad doesn't want nothing to do with, you know, it's, you know, if it wouldn't have been for, you know, my now wife, I wouldn't have been able to figure any any of that stuff out. Cause (laughs) you know, when she says she needs stuff at the store, I'm like, well, what do you want? Like, you know, not realizing to question that hand here. And then it's, you know, I don't think there's just any dad out there that wants to try to uh, help with that situation. So, you know, it, it was tough trying to battle through those first couple months and you know you know Ask the question like do they get better more tolerable you learn how to function with it knowing that you know 15 years later there's still really really good days like there's good days far outweigh the bad days but you still have those times where you know when she she graduated 20 years ago it's like man like her mom would love this like stuff like that it's just it can be hard to swallow, but at the same time gratifying because it's like, "Holy shit, we got here!" So it's yeah. kind of oh,
0: yes,
1: gosh,
2: kind of, kind of both directions.
0: That's such a cool story, Joe. Did you have any friends your age who were widowers? Like anyone are widows? No,
2: no, uh, nothing that that I'm aware of. You know, it was probably six, five, six years after that where I I had a friend of mine, a a cousin of mine who, he's uh, 15 years older, his neighbor, uh, he had colon cancer, I believe, and he passed fairly quickly, so you know, all people, they called me to come down and talk to his wife, and I was like, well, what do you want? Like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, well, you've been there before, I'm like, well, this is a completely different scenario, and you know, it just ended up with. me talking, and then three hours later, not that she was better, but she goes, okay, so I can move on. You know, because sometimes just hearing somebody that's been through before can help ease you because it's not the end. It's just a new beginning. Even though the ending of that one sucks, there's still all the roads out there you gotta try to travel down. And, and, you know, just, I I talked to a couple people, like my pastor, my former pastor asked me to talk to somebody, and he was a little bit older than me about five years ago. So he was probably in his early forties at the time. And, you know, he, this guy was was devastated and it's like, but like, you know, I get it. He was, you don't understand. I'm like, but I do like, I've been there. Like I'm living this life and I'm telling you, you got to get up every day and go. And, you know, he, he didn't want anything to do with it. And he ended up selling everything and moving. Uh, I think he moved up to like Vermont just, because he wanted to start all over again and you know, which I understand I did that when I took another job and moved to North Carolina at the time. And you know, it, it's tough, but i that's when I think we found out by trying to move away, you're not, you can't run away from it. You got to face it. You got to, you know, it's life. it's not going to just disappear. So if I would have had like this outlet at the time, it probably would have helped me a little bit better knowing that, Hey, there are other people out there that are just facing the same exact thing. Might be a different situation but they're still facing the same outcome that I was and, you know, having that, that extra support there can help, especially when you don't know which way to turn.
0: Yeah. I, um, I agree. I think it's been, this is a great outlet for people who don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. And so for, um, for our listeners, you know, our goal has always been to share our podcast with anyone who needs to hear it. And so we're always grateful for those who are sharing our, support out there because we want to be able to give that to anyone who's going through this because nobody should go through this alone. Because to Joe's point, it is a very dark place and it is very dark and it is very cold. And when Joe talks about the gentleman not wanting to get out of bed, I can personally tell you, I have not wanted to get out of bed. I have not wanted to wake up many days. Mm -hmm. Joe, have you ever had that?
2: Yeah, uh, especially in the start. It was like pretty much like, why well, even bother? Like, this isn't going to go away. It's not going to get any better, you know? And, and that's, I don't want to say the ignorance at the time, but, you know, you don't care about the future anymore. You're just worried about, hey, everything I had is now gone. Like, you know, I, I don't know how I used to her, but I didn't want to rebuild anything. Like, I was fine and happy in my own little comfort bubble. And, like, I lived there. Like, I was happy with just me, her, the dog, and, and my daughter. And, you no, know, if we did stuff we did stuff if not listen i don't care i'm i'm happy staying at my home you know it's i don't i, I don't like normally kind of going outside the box or outside of my little realm like because you get comfort comfortable there and you know it, it took a while to realize like hey like, I still, like i'm in charge of a freaking five-year-old like i can't just stay here all day like i gotta figure something out and you know that was kind of the driving factor of like hey we gotta you know, you're not going to figure it out right away, but you still got to get up and take steps every day.
0: Allie, did you ever have that where you didn't want to wake up?
1: Oh yeah. And there were days where I thought about, honestly, it it sounds horrible, but you know, where you're driving and I've, you know, thought about running my car into the side of the building. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've all had really dark thoughts what always brought me back was my kids.
0: Yeah, me too. about you, Joe?
2: Yeah, I I remember dropping my daughter off one day and I'm driving home and it was just me and the dog. And it's like, I'm going like a bat out of hell for, so I don't know why. And it's like, you know, I could just not turn here
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cause I don't want to say, you know, that the self, the devising is really bad, but in the same time, and then you like, you feel bulletproof. Like, you know, this happened to her, nothing could happen to me just because, you know, you're living without, you're living without thinking. And, you know, that's the kind of mindset that if you, to me, if I didn't get under control would end it badly.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Widowhood is not fun. Not, not that anyone ever wants it. And then I know that, and I would never assume anyone does, but.
2: So we, I, so I was going to say, I, so you asked if, if I knew anybody my age, which I really didn't at the time, uh, my, Mother-in-law lives, about a, you know, it's an hour away, completely different county. She calls me up one day and says, hey, I found this foundation that they deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, but you're too far out of their district, so I don't know if that can help you. So the lady's name, she's, she's a widow. Her name's Ellen Lindemann. First, she'd be fantastic on this podcast because she's helped countless people with her foundation. So her husband passed away. He had cancer fairly quickly. I don't want to tell the whole story because I don't want to mess it up. But in his honor, she started an outreach foundation. So she changed the bylaws of this foundation so it could help me two counties away, three counties away. Wow. You know, and pretty much for the most part, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, the money's great. You know, they, they she covered roughly $3,000 a month for the first three months, but, which is awesome. But you didn't realize at the time it's that mental support that's there. You know because she's been there, she, you know, she's faced this head on. You know, I heard both her kids now are Duke the graduated, they're successful. I still to talk to her on Facebook every once in a while, but like she used to have these fundraisers and uh, she was a, a Phillies fan, which you mean you can't blame her for it, right? You know, Limp you schools, actually can, but uh, <laughs> yeah, better than a Yankees fan, so oh, yeah, uh, way better than yeah. Yankees
0: fan.
2: so she was somehow, I believe it was Cole Hamels was affiliated with her foundation. So we'd go down to this thing and you would have us so much like Phillies autograph stuff, balls, game use jerseys, like the whole nine yards. And my first year down there, they were giving away or they were raffling off four tickets for the Phillies in the hall of fame club. So I bid on this, you know, and I, I bid more than I could afford at the time, but I figured the money's going back. Like she helped me. I'll do whatever I can to help this foundation out. And, you know, at the time goes to pay. Hey, you know, you're the silent winner. We're cool. Like, we go up to the paint. She goes, we can't take your money. We want you to take this. And I just lost it. Because, oh, so. you know, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't that it didn't have to pay. It was the thought that went into that. And um, we went down there. And said, I I don't, I should actually, we out to see if she still does it. Because uh, we used to go down there every couple of years, whenever they'd have their banquet, like their, their dress up nights and which like, I don't like dressing up in like suits and tucks. Like that's not my thing. But for that we're on, like, I'll get, I'll go rent a suit or any other stuff that you have to do. Cause like this was a great cause. And this lady's touched so many different lives and, you know, all because, you know, her husband died and that put her a mission like, I can't change what happened there, but I can help other people get through it. And I mean, the the strength and the courage in this lady has is just, you know, 15 years later to me, it's still like unfathomable. Like she's just a saint.
0: That's outstanding. admirable. Yes.
2: You know, if it wouldn't have been for her and and her foundation, like I, I, I probably still would think that, you know, I was probably the only guy out here facing this, you know, not realizing that there's a whole community or a whole hood that dealing with this, stuff that sucks. Yeah, you know, Again, her name is Ellen. She was absolutely a, a light in a dark place for me.
0: So, Jill, we're running a little short on time tonight, but let's talk about your life now. Like, where are you at today?
2: Uh, so, I... <laughs> So we'll go interesting there for work-wise. Obviously, you know, you know my career. Uh, Was a total now, badass. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, where I work now is literally right next door to where my wife at the time passed away. Literally right next door. And, you know, for years, every time I had to drive down that way, I didn't even like looking at, I didn't even like the sight of that building because to me, I knew what it represented. And, you know, 15 years later, I honestly don't even realize the building's there half the time because, oh wow, you know, it, the building didn't take anything from me, but I still have really close contact with, with, you know, her friends that work there. But well, for now I, I'm married. Uh, me and my wife flew to Vegas last year to elope after a quick 11 year courtship. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know, I ended up, I met her on eHarmony. I went out with friends a couple times, not looking for anything, but you know, when you go to a bar and you see the same girls there week after week after week after week, like, what are they looking for? Like, I don't want that lifestyle changing. I didn't just have to date somebody for me. I had to date somebody for my daughter, somebody that would fit that. Understand that that mold's broken and try to, be like, hey, like, I don't want to fix him, but we want to help. And, you know, my wife, God bless her. She's a saint, too, because I do stupid shit. And, and, uh, <laughs> and she's not afraid to, to call me on and, and, you know, make me toe the line. And we have uh, an 11-year-old son, a 10-year-old daughter. Uh, my oldest, for my first wife, just turned 20. She's 20 going on 40. Oh, my
1: uh, gosh.
2: You, you know, so. How is her
1: uh, grief? How What has her grief look like?
2: That's tough. Uh Honestly, I would lie to you if I told you I knew, because I could see her grieving a couple stages. You know, depending on the, the milestones that came up, going to college, going to the graduating high school, the whole boyfriend drama. I always try to tell her, like I to me, I always did everything I could with her in mind, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, we made it work, and she understands that. And grief-wise, I don't know. I mean, it's scary as can be because she's the she's a ringer for her mother. Uh, looks attitude voice like do you tell her that all the time
1: do you tell her
0: oh
2: she she she, oh she knows (laughs) yeah (laughs) she knows she she'll always thank me for the bad genes and she thanks her mom for the good genes so uh so yeah that's yeah so you know it's uh, i I like to think we've always had a close relationship just because she knew that i was always there like no matter what happened I always found a way to either get her to go to vacations or with her friends. Like I always tried to figure out how we could keep her going without having to stop everything. Lots, we had lots of ups and downs, but again, I, I think it's been more ups than downs. Cause I mean, you can't really get too much lower, you know, than where we were nearly 15 years ago.
0: That is really interesting to share that, that you, you know, when you're raising these kids during your journey is that, you know, can it really get any lower than the moment your partner, your spouse, their parent dies? I don't know. I haven't been there yet, but I'm not looking forward to figuring that out. I hope it doesn't.
2: Yeah. And I know in one of your podcasts, you were talking about, you know, like Eric's family. And if it wasn't for her family, and I mean, her mom made a drastic change from where she was to where she was now, but it was her stepdad, her her dad, uh, pretty much said like, hey, like, you know, stop being miserable. She would want you happy. You need to figure out what you want to do in life and just go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know what it won. He goes, well, she wouldn't want you miserable sitting home alone. So you need to find somebody that's going to make you happy. Yeah. And I got lucky twice. So, I mean, I can't, <laughs> you know, I, I can't complain. Like I said, it, it was, I don't, you know, we probably didn't have the same Vegas vacation you had. Uh, <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. man, it's probably better. <laughs> Pictures coming soon. Well, I yeah. Think, yeah on that note, Joe, thank you because we've gotta we've gotta wrap things up this evening. No, but I just
1: wanted to say thank you so much for gosh. sharing your story, for being vulnerable, for sharing your grief. I know it's not always easy, but it helps so many people, like we said, to not feel alone because I'm sure they can, there's a lot of people that can relate.
2: Yeah, and you guys do a fantastic job too. I remember telling Chris, I said, you know, it's like this happens to guys too. You you always hear that running joke, like, why do guys buy first because they want to? Like, that's not the case, you know. So oh. it, it, it's, you know, that there are guys out there too that I, I hope they, you know, they know, like, hey, like you can, life continues and it sucks and you just kind of have to brush yourself off and just kind of get back to the grind and. You know, that's every day, you know, whether it's work, life, or, you know, dealing with this stupid death stuff, like.
1: Stupid
0: death stuff. It sucks, but you got to get up. That's right.
1: It does. Joe, you're the
0: best. Thank you. you. are. We're going to have to have Joe 2.0 because I think you have really awesome perspective for us, so. Yeah, and I want to hear some crystal stories.
2: Yeah. Uh, We we got some crystal stories.
1: Crystal
0: work stories? Uh, I don't know about that. Joe, I didn't tell you what Joe does. I mean, Joe's a total badass. He runs two of our warehouses. Wow. And so when I go to the plant, you'll see Joe flying back and forth on a forklift, like leading people through the plant. It's amazing. So
2: Uh, I, I try. We have good guidance. So I try.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Signing off from the widowhood tonight. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, Joe. Bye. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>